Ladies and gentlemen, Lantern fans of all ages, you're invited to take part in another Lantern Cast Best Of episode. This annual event is your chance to tell the world and DC Comics what you think of the past year's worth of Lantern material. That's right, the good, the bad, and the downright red lanterning. So bust out your back issues and get critical. We are currently accepting your picks for the Best Of 2012 Award Show. The categories are Best Story Arc, Best Single Issue, Best Villain, Favorite Use of a Power Ring, Most Surprising Reveal or Twist, Best Splash Page or Multi-Page Spread, Best Cover, Biggest Hell Yeah Moment, Biggest Disappointment, Best Portrayal of a Green Lantern, Green Lantern MVP, Must Be a Green Lantern, Favorite Artist, Favorite Writer, Favorite Lantern Merchandise, and Breakout Character. Email your choices now to lanterncast at gmail.com with the subject line, Best of 2012. Your window is closing fast, so make sure you hop on it as soon as possible. So how will it work? Well, the Lantern Cast crew will throw in their respective votes into the arena along with your own, and whichever nomination gets the most shoutouts wins the Best of 2012. So make your voice heard and email us your choices to lanterncast at gmail.com now. LanternCast, the foremost Green Lantern podcast on the internet, will not actually offer up awards to the winners. We don't have that kind of money. Please see the LanternCast forums for a complete list of eligible choices. Votes only accepted to LanternCast at gmail.com. Also, Chad Bokelman rules. Goodbye. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Pokemon. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 154. Gonna close out the epic. Um, <laughs> God, I don't even know. Rise of the Third Army. Wait a second. What? It's Rise of the Third Army. I just realized that Red Lantern 16 does not have <laughs> the Rise of the Third Army logo on it. And neither does New Guardians. Really? Yeah. No, it does. No, no it doesn't. Oh, yeah, it Green does. Lantern, Guardians? It totally does. Yeah. I was looking at the Arrow ad. No. Yeah. Well, Red Lanterns has the Arrow ad. Yeah. But that's completely <laughs> not the point. Okay. So it's, it's like they, they totally just forgot that the Third Army was happening. <laughs> I guess. It's ironic because I think this this issue probably has about as much uh, Third Army stuff in it as the actual Green Lantern issue. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so yeah, so we're covering the final, you know, six the issue 16s, which are all the Third Army, you know, final arc, and then the Green Lantern Corps annual, which is the conclusion to the Third Army story. And then after that, we're completely done. We don't have to, don't have to deal with it again. <laughs> I don't know. This is just their rise. Maybe they're going to be here to stay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Okay, um, so let's jump right in. Uh, Red Lanterns, number 16. Um, uh, I think it's part of the Rise of the Third Army storyline, but I can't tell because it doesn't have the uh, the bumper on it. <laughs> okay, so this, this issue is basically broken down into three stories. Uh, and I'm not going to go page by page. I'm just going to give a quick synopsis for each story. The first one is you have Atrocitus, who's, like, still trying to get the Manhunters, you know, on his side that were, you know, like, I 
guess he left them on uh, Riot. Yeah, Riot. Yep. Yeah, he he apparently left like some secret, you know, Manhunter army there if he ever needed them. <laughs> conveniently enough, um, so he goes and he, he he you know he eventually does win them over. He somehow bonds them all together using blood magic from blood of like these various life forms that actually were on Riot. So it's a dead planet that actually wasn't quite that dead. There's just enough life forms to create enough blood magic to, I guess, win over the Manhunters and, and bond them all together. And then they all fly off. Uh, they need one final weapon before they head to Oa to uh, take on the Guardians. And it's some kind of uh, secret weapon that's hidden underneath, like, Maltus where the Guardians originated from. And it's some kind of, like, I don't know, futuristic voice recording TV kind of thing, and it shows a projection of Krona, who's been waiting to talk to Atrocitus for all this time. Um, since this this thing doesn't actually come into effect in the, uh, the Green Lantern Corps annual, I don't actually know what the point of it was, but Whatever. So that's the first story that's in here. The second one is you have uh, what's a the Earth Red Lantern? Rancor. Yeah, Rancor. Rancor. Rancor is on Earth with Blaze, and Blaze tells him that he's got to kill the person that basically started him off as a Red Lantern to become a real Red Lantern, and. Blaze is like, no, you know, don't just kill him quickly. Just, you know, seep a little bit of the, the rage blood into his body so that it, you know, drives him mad and consumes him for a couple of years. And instead of doing that, Rancor just stabs him and kills him dead. And then he's attacked by his guilty conscience in the form of a construct of his grandfather who's disappointed with him. Uh, and then... Blaze tries to take some of Rancor's blood so that she can be able to make the constructs as well. Uh, and she kind of tries to seduce him also, like kind of awkwardly. That fails, and he flies off, and she's like, well, now you have an enemy. That's the second story. And then the third story is, uh, since the power battery still isn't up to full power, Atrocitus uh, is, he, well, he was feeling the effects out in the field, and he's kind of wondering, you know, what the hell Ratchet, the guardian of the Red Lantern power battery, is doing and why he hasn't fixed things yet. And Ratchet, he he had one one idea, one theory, and that, that was wrong. Now he thinks that the planet is just like a vampiric planet sucking the energy from the battery. But uh, as he's, like, trying to determine this or not, he kind of gets, he falls through some kind of tunnel or whatever, and he realizes that the uh, the five, well, the remaining inversions, I guess now there's six somehow, are still alive. Um, yeah, there's six of them, and I don't know why. Well, that's basically it. <laughs> Every one of these stories had, like, a really weird turn in it, like, like Ratchet yeah. saying, like, I know exactly what the problem is. It makes perfect sense. The planet's a vampire. Like, what? <laughs> what? 
then he falls through a hole, and it turns out he was completely wrong. Yeah, they're like, no, you're stupid. You, there, was not, there wasn't even a reason to really say that at all, because we're going to show you what it really was a panel later. Yeah. Um... And and the uh, and uh, the atrocitus one, like I got to the last page, I'm like, oh, he found some kind of glowing fence with faces in it. That's weird. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, what what the hell is the point? It's like he makes a point of saying, incredible. After billions of years, it still emits light. And one of the manhunters says, the guardians knew how to build. <laughs> yeah, the manhunters totally talk like dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, I think the biggest thing for me was, was Blee's, like, she, she's written completely opposite of how she's been since they got to Earth. Like, up until the beginning of this issue, she was like, alright, just fucking kill him so we can get out of here. And now yeah. he goes to kill him, and she's like, whoa, 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 don't kill him. <laughs> don't kill him, what are you doing? Don't kill him. And the... And like I'm like every time I turn the page I'm like, what the what really what? Like <laughs> you like what you see? You, you like to, what you see? Like well like first she's like she's like I want to learn constructs which okay you know that's that makes sense more red lanterns should want to learn that, but she decides that you do that by drinking the blood of someone who knows how. All right, <laughs> okay I I get you know they. Blood is their answer to a lot of things, so I guess. Okay, I'm with you. Then she's like, hey, let me drink your blood. I'll give you a weird monster sex. And I was like, what? (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Chad, is this your favorite issue of the month? (laughs) Now, did the the artist change from last issue? Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Mm, It's, uh... You know, well, it does look different, but it's credited. Uh, wait. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's really weird. What? Miguel Sepulveda is credited as the artist on the cover. Like, he's, like, supposedly the artist for the book. But then you open it up, guest penciler Andre Buenaldo. Okay, well, he definitely drew the cover, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah, it's a, it, it makes a point. Mike Miguel, Sepulveda, and Barreto for the cover. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's fucking false advertising. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, I like the art better in this one, so that's probably one reason it made it easier to, to enjoy and read. <laughs> I thought you would. Um, yeah. What? I thought you would like it. <laughs> um... The only thing I really didn't like, well, I mean, it's still Red Lanterns, I didn't like a lot of things. Um, but the main thing that I didn't like was, really, there's an, there's an alpha lantern, like a pack of dogs. You know, you gotta take out the alpha so the others go away. Yeah. Really? I thought they all had their own individual programming and really putting a little bit of blood on their forehead, make you control the rest of them after taking out the alpha. Seriously? Yeah. That's, that's totally complete bullshit. God. Um, what you call it? The thing, things that I noticed, this artist, like, I don't know if other artists draw them that uh, they look like this, 
but they all kind of look like they're wearing Iron Man armor. Yes. Um, I noticed that, like, the power battery, at least it actually looks similar to a power battery, although the Red Lantern power battery doesn't have a, a top section like that. It's like, whichever artist they get on this book, they just do not want to draw the Red Lantern power battery the right way. I like how, um... The spike pokes through the the thing on the side, though. I kind of like that addition to the design and, like, little nubs at the bottom. Yeah, it's it's not... It, I mean, like, it's it's cool, except inaccurate. Like, this one I like a lot better than, you know, the two-dimensional battery. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, what's the deal with so many freaking inversions? Well, I know... Back in issue zero, wasn't there one of them that was a pair of guys? <laughs> it was, so, it was so like, when they came back, they split? Well, it was, like, it was like there was two of them that lived in another dimension all the time or something like that. And they counted as one inversion or something. Well, even if that were true, there should only be four inversions here. And if that if they split, then there would be five, and it turns out there's six. Hmm. No. There's too many inversions. You think they just forgot Atrocitus was one of them? I I, I guess. Um. This is a weird issue. Any issue that ends on a random glowing face fence is a weird issue. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's even weirder once you... I mean, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but when you get to uh, Green Lantern Corps Annual, when you when it says, who sends the Manhunters against us? It says the Planet Riot. <laughs> and there's a picture of Atrocitus telling him to go when this issue ends on Maltus. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Why the hell do the Manhunters have teeth? Why are I they... S- that <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. It's just... It's, it's, worth, it's worth bringing up again. Yeah. Why did they go to Maltus again? Because there was a glowing light fence that they needed to get. But like, the, so Atrocitus knew that was there? or? I, yeah, somehow blood magic. Okay. It's blood magic. We don't have to explain it. <laughs> uh, at least in the Green Lantern Corps annual, they look more like Manhunters again, although still with the teeth. Yeah. I mean, I like the man- the, the skeletonish Manhunter design. It just, there's no reason it should exist yeah. the, in the way they've presented it to us. <clears throat> it's not like their lips have decayed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm reading. I was reading. Uh, I'll go there. Go ahead. Was Maltus hidden? Wait, what? Or, or, or have we already always known exactly <laughs> where it is? Maltus is uh, in the Vega system. It's oh. like basically right next to uh, Okara. Okay. Yeah, right, I, guess, I was just curious. I guess in the New 52, it's no longer, like, the most densely populated city planet ever. <laughs> was it? Yeah, well, I think it was. 
I thought it was kind of like uh, either completely dead or um, maybe the Scions were living there. Maybe the Scions left. Maybe the Scions don't exist anymore in the New 52. Yeah. I just re- I think it was Rebels that used the that planet a lot. It was like this huge like Star Wars-ish city. Oh. Yeah, that doesn't count anymore. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, remember... <laughs> Remember when Riot was scary and had a giant Black Lantern battery on it? <laughs> that, that was fun, right? <laughs> that was so long ago. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So that's Red Lanterns. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I guess uh, Chad with the Green Lantern... Oh, oh uh, first, uh, <laughs> sounds silly saying it, but buy, borrow, pass. Low borrow. Yeah, same. Same. It was, it, it's like, it wasn't bad, it was just weird. <laughs> it wasn't really necessary either. Yeah. It's just kind of there. Progressing the story along a little bit further for no apparent reason. Yeah. Well, thankfully, we have Milligan for the long haul, so we can expect more of this to play out in the years to come. Anyway. (laughs) Take it, Chad. All right. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 16, written by Tony Bedard, artist Aaron Cooter, colorist Will Quintana, so I guess... uh, uh, Nia is uh, out. I didn't know that. Um, Dave Sharp is a letter, and uh, Cooter and Hi-Fi did the cover. Um, we open the story with Kyle on the planet uh, Zamoran, and they're trying to teach him the power of love. Uh, so his entire story kind of opens up with him reminiscing about his father leaving him and his mother. Um, then they, uh, they that doesn't really ignite a spark of love, so then they move to another memory of him and Alex doing uh, looks like the, the ferry around New York City. Um, and that doesn't work to ignite a spark of love in him. Um, then they flash over to a memory he had of Dan Betts' one billionth birthday. Uh, it doesn't ignite a spark of love. Uh, so, so nothing is really working. So they pull him out of it and uh, Right before they do, it's it's, uh, it's revealed that the Zamorans' agreement with the Guardians to go along with their plan was merely a ruse, and they don't actually plan to support the Guardians in their plan. Um, the uh, the Guardians uh, the, actually, uh, Gambit is on his way to to Zamoran, um, so Kyle is is going away to uh, to uh, check on. Uh, Carol Ferris, they're out in space, so he's waiting on them uh, to get back, uh, but apparently the Queen wants to meet him. Well, uh, that's when Ganthet shows up and they get this giant fight. Uh, he uses fear against Ganthet, doesn't work. Uh, he uses compassion to teleport, doesn't work. Rage, doesn't work. Um, and apparently one of the cooler, uh, in one of the cooler moments, Without the violet, again, it says, without the violet light of love, you are a lesson to some of your parts. Without love, you cannot win. Um, 
And uh, then the Zamorans join in on the attack and say, well said. <laughs> um, then they start pouring uh, all their power against Ganthet. Uh, Kyle pour, pours all the power he has, uh, minus love, uh, against them. And um, then the Third Army just decides to take that opportunity to show up. They start attacking the Zamorans. And then uh, as the, the Zamorans uh, say, ignore the, these monsters, uh, attack can't that um, the, uh, the new guardians will uh, Carol Ferris, St. Walker, and Archillo show up to back him up. And once the Zamorans start going against um, Kyle, he says, you know, no, I will not give up on him no matter what, you know. Uh, and then uh, he jumps in front of Ganthet, turns his back on him, Ganthet shoots Kyle through the chest. And and uh, he's kind of uttering his last words as he learns the power of love right at that crucial moment, and that's when uh, he heals himself and becomes a white lantern. And with what looks like a literal flick of his fingers, he incinerates the third army, and uh, Ganthet takes off like a rocket <laughs> off the planet and back to Oa. And... Uh, you know, Ganthet almost looked afraid, and, okay, now we take the fight to Oa and end this. So, yeah. That's where we leave off. Yep. It's a White Lantern Kyle Rayner, huh? Oh, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> Total surprise, dude. <laughs> There's something we haven't been predicting since, like, since we started the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I didn't really know, I didn't necessarily expect them to get to it in this issue kind of thing, you know? So I wasn't sure how, like, how big of a deal they're going to play it, you know? Are you going to save it for later? So, like, when I turned the page and it happened, I'm like, oh, cool. I think they kind of blew it, though. Because it's on the right side, so it can't really be like a page turn reveal kind of moment. Yeah. Oh, I'm reading it digitally, so it wasn't a page turn reveal. Nice. <laughs> Digital wins. Um, uh. Yeah, still cool, though. Yeah, I love the visual of uh, Kyle firing every color at once from a different uh, little ambient disc. Oh, yeah. They both. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. It was a shame it was, like, a tiny-ass panel. Yeah. I get to see it. Oh, wait. Are you talking about the one where he says, I said no? Oh, no, no. I'm talking about, um, after the Third Army first shows up, and he kind of turns around and shoots at them. Uh-huh. Yeah, follow. okay. Firing every color <laughs> except for violet. Yeah. But, dude, I love that shield. He he conjures up when he uh during the I said no. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think of all? What do you think of all the moments they tried to put him through to uh, elicit a feeling of love? You know, it's it seems kind of it seems kind of irritating that Kyle would have so much trouble figuring out love. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. You know, like, for somebody who 
like he's gone through so much. Like he knows so much about loss. You know, you would think that he would have a better grasp on love. It's almost like they they wrote him here like he was, you know, like he didn't want to find love, which is kind of out of character for him. Yeah. Well, he does have like three of his girlfriends have been taken off the table at this point, so he didn't lose them. <laughs> and yeah, you know, once again, it's like we get like this one page where they have to have Kyle part of the core. You know, it's it's like it's such it's such a waste. Like they're basically just erasing the whole <laughs> concept that he was the only the only uh, Green Lantern just for the sake of like the this these one page things where it's like, oh yeah, Core was totally around when Kyle was you know was there. It's it's just it's not necessary. Yeah, well, there is a story reason for it in here, and that's something I wanted to bring up. Like, what do you think of this this whole? Because the flashbacks in this are blatantly about um. Kyle losing his father and apparently finding a <clears throat> a surrogate father figure in Ganthet. So I guess I guess Kyle never refound his father. I guess not. I don't. That doesn't count anymore. No, well that was a terrible story anyway. Um, which means he was never our eye on. Because uh, that's how he found his father, right? He did like a DNA search. Yeah, he could have still been Ion. He was still Ion, I think. And actually, we don't know because the entities might not even be around in this universe. All right. Well, more to the point here. What do you think about? <clears throat> because I kind of want to go back and reread the last fifteen issues to see, like, if there's anything actually there that I didn't pick up on about, you know. Kyle having this, like, deeper relationship with Ganthet, even if it's only one-sided. Like, like Ganthet as Kyle's surrogate father figure, at least in Kyle's mind. Like, what do you think of that, about that idea? Um, I think it's kind of something that they're just kind of, like, springing on us mm -hmm. this arc for the sake of, you know, trying to just really drive home, you know, the the relationship that they have, and now they have to fight. It, it's almost like, you know, when you want to show how powerful something is, then you have them defeat something that is really powerful. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, that guy just destroyed a planet, and then the hero just took him out, so obviously the hero's really strong. It's well, like, there's no point in actually taking out that planet <laughs> other than that, you know, you want to show how strong this is. Same thing here. It's like there's no point in telling us, you know, in making a big deal about the fact that Kyle was part of the core other than to just kind of like, you know, reemphasize the relationship, which they could have done a number of other ways. Yeah, and I think that's the problem, too. Like, the choosing to do that, it's making people focus entirely on the fact that Kyle's history with the core was changed instead yeah. of focusing on the emotional beat that they want to hit. Yeah. I mean, I think when when you like sit here, so when you sit there and make yourself look at it the way they intended, I think it works pretty well with uh 
you know, explain like his his father walked out on him and his mother when he was a little kid, and thus that that gave him <laughs> issues with love and trust that reverberated through his adult life, and that's why he can't master the power of love now. And that's yeah. Okay, I mean, if you never read Kyle before this, you know, before the new Fifty Two then I'm sure this this would all make perfect sense and it would fit perfectly. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is, Kyle has a great deal of history, some of which that they're drawing on, and some of which they're they're getting rid of. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, what are they take? What are they keeping? What are they not keeping? And as you know, as a <laughs> longtime reader, which is still primarily the audience for the book, people you know people are reading this book because they they love Kyle and they want to keep reading about Kyle. You know, it's not like, it's like, oh, you know what? I'm brand new to Green Lantern. Let me start reading this one. You know, that's not happening anywhere near as much as I think that they, you know, are hoping. And so when you have stuff like this, like, you're right. It it completely detracts from the moment. Whereas if they just had, you know, like all you would need you don't need a freaking surprise party. I mean, that's that's stupid for one thing. But I mean, for another thing, like all you have to do is, you know, either on Oa, where you know there's just desolation or whatever, or you know there's like a handful of people, or whatever, that were there, or on Earth or whatever, you have Kyle give Ganthet a Father's Day gift, and like that right there, like you know, and Ganthet would be like, "What is this? You know, what is the purpose of this?" You know, and Kyle could say something, you know, heartfelt, like, it's like, well, you know what, you know, you're there for me, and I appreciate that, and since his father's dead, you know, I'm not a Green Lantern writer, so somebody else could, well, presumably somebody else could do it better, but you know what I'm saying, like, all you need is something like that, and you don't need to erase continuity. Yeah, now, a couple days ago, I read an interview with Tony Bedard. Where, um, I forget where, it was either on, like, Newsarama or Bleeding Cool or something. It was somewhere. I don't remember where it was. Uh, but the interviewer <clears throat> asked, and this was right after issue 15 with, uh, those delightful flashback pages. The interviewer asked, like, tried to get him to clarify a couple things based on those. And it was, it was basically the same questions we had about, like, you know, what still counts and everything. And it kind of... It kind of confirmed what, like, our greatest fears, <laughs> but it also kind of made me sympathize, like, made me sympathize with Tony Bedard because it's, like, clearly not his fault kind of thing. Uh, or, like, they asked, for example, you know, all right, was Kyle still in a relationship with Ceranic Natu in the New 52? And Bedard was basically telling him, like, like it hasn't been explicitly specified but in my mind they haven't been because i think it makes less sense with the landscape we have and like that was kind of the answer he gave for like every like somebody asked like he, he was asked if if emerald twilight still happened and he gave basically the same answer but then he like on the spot he attempted to like explain how the timeline would work out and how, like, like if this flashback had Kyle in this this other costume instead, it would probably have been better. You know, that's probably my fault, this and that. 
So it, I mean, it just reinforced that, like, okay, they, like, this this whole thing was like a big editorial move that editorial didn't fully plan out before they started to move. Yeah. <laughs> but the writers, like Tony, like I I have more respect for Tony Bedard after reading that because it's like he very clearly comes off as like as somebody who's trying to make it work and make sense. He's just not being fully supported by editorial in the in the way that he should be. Yeah. <clears throat> it's nice to know that one of the things that wasn't written out of continuity was Nord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he slipped that one in there. His his new 52 debut. <laughs> do, do you guys think it was weird that Gantat knows what a birthday cake is? No, because he spent uh, so many years on Earth with uh, Hal and Ollie. Oh, that's true. He gives it a weird look, too. If, if they write hard-traveling heroes out of continuity, then I'll be really pissed. Oh, uh, Oh my god, wouldn't they have to? Because isn't Ollie, like, a fetus now? He's, like, younger than Kyle, isn't he? I don't know, I don't read Green Arrow. <laughs> Nor does anyone. <laughs> yeah. Although Jeff Lemire's calling on that book, so it's probably gonna get good. I just, I don't necessarily know that Green Arrow, <clears throat> like, can support a comic. Because, I mean, like, he, the series, like, it actually, it lasted for quite a while. Um, Green Arrow supports a TV show. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously it can support a TV show. It's like, basically, what is it, uh, the Hunger Games? <laughs> the, the Hunger Games superhero. He's an archer. And arch, archery works a lot better on on TV. I mean, like, I, I wouldn't have any interest in a Hawkeye book either. I, it's you, just like you actually really should read the Hawkeye book. It's like the greatest comic yeah. that's being published. I, I hear it's amazing. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's amazing. But by the same token, it's just like you know, he's not the greatest detective, and he doesn't have a whole bunch of gadgets. He just has the arrows and a, you know a bunch of trick arrows. It's just like that to <clears throat> me is. It's not that much of a draw. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the biggest draw to, for Green Arrow was his personality, depending on how certain people write him, and you know that's you know it, it, he's not written that interesting to me that often. We shouldn't really go off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. Should rein this back in. So this fight between Kyle and Ganthet, and Ganthet and everybody, I kind of like this. I like seeing Guardians portrayed as powerful as they are, like, considering how little it happens. And it kind of, it made me think back to, uh, remember in Rebirth, that, uh, that Ganthet versus Kilowog fight, where, like, Ganthet was, like, just very easily just owning the shit out of Kilowog. That was awesome. Yeah, it was like this here. This is the issue where... Kyle's like, where are you guys? And they're all, like, trapped in a little ship. Yeah, they're... Yeah. Did anybody be the New Guardians annual yet? What? No, not yet. 
You know, I think uh, the main issue, that the, the main reason they had Kyle um, struggle with love, and it's going to sound weird, but I think they did it strictly because it's a bigger deal with the last one. That makes him becoming a White Lantern more important. Although I would, I would think that it would be like, do you buy that he learns love when he protects Gambit, or do you buy that it's more hope than love? Hope that Gambit is better, and hope that you know everything will be okay. Hmm. But then again, it wouldn't really make any sense because he, like, he is very clearly uh, knows hope throughout this entire series. So, I, I don't know. I get, I get to his love because it would make sense. Well, yeah. And, uh, that, that, I, I agree with you. Love is, love is forgiveness. I mean, like, is it? Is love forgiveness or is compassion forgiveness? Right. I mean, it, I don't think it's as simple as that, as what you're saying or what, as what Kyle's saying, but, <clears throat> I mean, it's, Again, it makes sense for the narrative that they crammed into this issue of like, like it it, <clears throat> it makes sense with like the father issues that they gave him at the beginning here. Well, like, not that they gave him; he's always had kind of, but you know. I like I like the uh, the continuation of the power of life. You know, remember way way back when when we first saw Andrew Alex commenting commenting on the fact how that. Obliterating people. That <laughs> now, now becomes a white and will literally get his finger. <laughs> the entire third army on Zamron is wiped out. Yeah, I especially appreciate the way that they show us how powerful Kyle is by having him destroy the powerful enemies that's been destroying everybody else. Oh, <laughs> uh, well played. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I noticed was that uh, when. <clears throat> Kyle has, you know, he, he's become the White Lantern. Um, it's the last page, and Kyle, like, looking at the ring, you know, it says, he says, you saw Ganthet run, he knows this changes everything. Well, it's kind of a close-up ring, but because of the coloring, you can't see the symbol in the ring. So we don't know if it turned into a White Lantern ring or if it's still a Green Lantern ring that's just white. It's, it's a White Lantern ring. We see it in the annual. Uh, does it bother anybody else that Kyle's White Lantern mask is like Cyclops' visor now? Yeah, I thought like, that was a little odd. Like, really bulbous. Yeah, I'll live with it, though. Yeah. So what do you think of the art? This is uh, Aaron Cooter, the the one artist that we liked from the last, like, four issues. Um, it has its downs. Uh, yeah, I had problems in there, but it, it makes sense. So, yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I've had experience with Aaron Cooter before, but the the main issue I had were like uh, birthday pain. Yeah. The last panel, Kyle's face. That looks kind of strange when the Jansen like rocketing up towards uh, uh, the sky or whatever, and you his head is huge and kind of pointed straight up. <laughs> yeah, every now and then he'll do like a weird face. Especially like on maskless people. Or like Ganthet's face will be like kind of hovering on top of his body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But other than that, I kind of I like it. You know, I'd, like I really like that shot again that right before he shoots Kyle at the end, where like you have that moment of like, oh, maybe Kyle's getting through to him, but not really. <laughs> uh, was it Daniel number one where he found out that I was supposed to uh, mask in the spectrum? Is it we found out that? And we got the flash page when he was talking to Carol about. Um, no, that was the zero issue. The zero issue of Yeah. <clears throat> okay, because I'm trying to figure something out right here. So. <clears throat> Go ahead with your. Your monkey looks. Uh, I borrow pass? Uh, uh. Low lie, just because there's a white lamp. <clears throat> Yeah, I call this a buy too. This is a fun issue. I think yeah. I think the like other than than the weird shoehorn continuity thing, I I liked how the flashback was kind of the through line of the whole thing. It made sense with what they were doing. Also, he's he's no Nei Rafino, but uh, Will Quintana did a good job with this. I liked the coloring, especially in. I'll say this, I love the coloring for the flashback stuff the most, because I love the, like, the tint and the vibe he gives the whole thing. Yeah, I, was, uh, I pulled up the, uh, the Zero issue. Yeah, for, for futuristic flash, see him in various costumes, uh, and we show like, his left shoulder and his mask when he's wearing the Sparks of and in the uh, splash where he becomes a white and we only see the mask, so oh. I narrowly avoided having to draw him in a weird dark sapphire suit. <laughs> I do like that indigo mask they gave him in this page. All right, Green Lantern, Jim. Yeah, Green Lantern. Okay, uh, Green Lantern sixteen. Um, got a. Uh, New Green Lantern Baz basically staring at a giant flaming wreck of a house where all the evidence that could have cleared him has gone up in flames. Luckily, Agent Fed is right next to him, so he knows that he's innocent, but uh, it's going to be difficult to prove it. Um, and then there's Green Lantern, Booch, the little squirrel guy. Um, and uh, Booch decides, you know, he's like, you know what, um, I'm supposed to find Hal Jordan, but, you know, you're probably going to help me find him because of your ring. So, Booch, uh, well, first he helps him find the power battery to power up. And then um, he shows him how to unlock the message. They look at the message, and um, basically uh, they're like, okay, we're going to have to now go find Hal and, you know, figure all this out. So Baz is like, well, before we do that, you know, you know, now that you've trained me with the ring, it's, you know, it's, it's something similar to the movie where, you know, a veteran Green Lantern comes around and shows him the ropes for about two seconds and they call that, you know, their training and then they're off to go do whatever, move a mountain or something. And so, 
Baz is like, first we got to go to the hospital. He calls up his sister, tells uh, her to meet him at the hospital, and uh, he proceeds to do something that no Green Lantern has ever done. He uses the ring to pull his brother-in-law out of a coma, um, which, uh, you know, like nobody's ever done it before. They make a point of saying that numerous times. It's impossible. Um, but he's able to do it, you know, to kind of emphasize his power level. <laughs> They show him doing something impossible. Um, a lot of that going on lately. Huh. Um, also, they found from the Book of the Black. They they grab that because they know they're going to need that. And uh, after they're able to you know bring the brother-in-law back, they uh, have to go and I guess uh, do they do they say they have to go save Gardner? Yeah. Yeah. Bidge sees it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's a squirrel that likes TV. What can I say? So, yeah, that's a now thing. that they're off to go take care of Guy Gardner or something. Uh, and then we have the epilogue where it turns out that the hooded character is Tomar Ray, and he knows about Volthoom, and they have to hold the First Lantern's plans before he unravels all of history. The dead commanded, or the de- dead demanded. <coughs> there is literally, oh, uh, there's literally no third army stuff in in this issue at all. You know, the one thing that I love uh, about this issue is once I finally became, came to the realization of it, and it took me this many issues into this new character of Simon Baz to realize it. Um, <laughs> And inside Baz, you know what we get? A Green Lantern on Earth who has family who he'll interact with occasionally. Yeah. (laughs) Until they all die. No, one of them, like, went in the other direction this issue, so he's getting more of them. (laughs) Yeah. I I like that Baz can talk to Earth Squirrels. Yeah, I think that was that was John's poking poking at continuity a little and having fun with it. Because remember back when, um, after the crisis, when the Green Lantern Corps all lived on Earth for a while? There's a yeah. scene where Chip tried talking to an Earth squirrel, and it didn't work because it's an Earth squirrel. And he's like, and Chip just started freaking out because none of the animals on Earth can talk. <laughs> now Bidge is like... You know, of course I can understand him. I'm a squirrel. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So what about that? What about Simon Baz pulling his brother-in-law out of a coma? That was awesome. I don't... I know know Jim probably has some problems with it. (laughs) I mean... I don't necessarily know if it makes any sense. You know, like... Okay, the ring the ring works on willpower and imagination. Um, but you kind of have to know what you're doing to do it. So, like, when, when he builds a car, like, he knows, like, you know, he's building it piece by piece, you know, to build a car to get away from the flesh. Just like Hal Jordan, when he builds, you know, like a hammer or something simple, 
or, you know, a glove or, um, you know, like a jet that he knows all the parts and everything like that, and he assembles it. With this, you know, his brother-in-law is in a coma, and, you know, like, what exactly, like, has he actually studied, you know, the, the chemistry of the brain and, you know, that he knows what the blockage is and no doctor would ever be able to do it, but by using his willpower. No, I mean, he's basically, he's wishing it. He's basically using the Green Lantern ring as, like, a wishing ring. And, I, I mean, well, like, it's cool that it happens, but by the same token, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, um, you know those uh, Justice League novels I've been telling you about? The, you know, the, the, the heroes, Green Lantern Heroes Quest, Sidonio Neo, the Flash Stop Motion, those things? Yes. In the Flash Stop Motion... Um, this part of another universe gets pulled in um, to ours, and Kyle Rayner, uh, well, Superman flies into this thing, and Wonder Woman flies into this thing, and the Martian Manhunter is caught in this, like, psychic pain, and the Flash hasn't shown up yet, so Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner's kind of left to his own. <laughs> and what he does is he forms, like, a 14-story tall syringe uh, full of, you know, the most deadliest counteracting agent, whatever, uh, in the world. And he injects it right into this thing and, and to, to get it to die off and go away. <laughs> but I, I'm reading this thinking, what the hell? It's, it's full of this agent. And then the story tells you it's not, there's nothing in the ring and there, there's, there's nothing in the construct and the delivery method of the construct is not important. What's important is that the ring understands the wearer's desired intent. Now, granted, this is a novel, and yeah, it's probably bullshit to you, <laughs> but but I'm thinking that with heightened sense of, I want this to happen, and you're, we're, we're talking a heightened sense of, I don't know, I guess will, I think that if, if the desire is there enough and the power and the intent is funneled into it hard <laughs> enough, it can happen. I, I mean, I I believe that with a Green Lantern ring, you should pretty much be able to do anything. Um, with enough willpower, you should be able to do anything. Pulling somebody out of a coma, I think it's possible. Like, I, I can't see any reason why it, it wouldn't be possible. But, like, it should be possible for someone like Saranic Natu, who's exactly. like a medical doctor. Okay. Yeah, somebody who understands... You know, or, like, if he was, like, looking at a screen of his brain that's in a coma state, and he had a picture of his brain of when it wasn't in a coma state, and he could just use the ring to alter the pathways so that he was no longer in a coma. Like, that, I completely understand. That makes sense. <laughs> but, I mean, to just, like, he, he literally wishes for it. This is my only wish. Yeah. Yeah, I... I have a problem with this, but it's different than yours. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I really kind of like that they gave Simon this moment where he achieved something no one else could through sheer force of will, because that's a very Green Lantern thing to do. That's a, that's a very good moment to give him. I think that was a good and necessary thing to do. My issue is 
I think it would have been more powerful of a moment if it failed. And this is something like I run into a lot with stories. Like I always kind of hope. Oh, I. It's not. It sounds bad, but I always always kind of hope that the hero's going to fail more than they do, because that's it's more dramatic. I feel like it does more for their character. Because like it's the it's the most cliche thing of like like uh, the good guy wants to to do something good. And he tries really hard, and it works. Yay! <laughs> Whereas, like, I don't know, I... I felt like they were going somewhere good with it. Like, like it would have meant so much more for him to try for, like, these, like, three or four pages again and again, and then have it still not work, and for him to have to, like, kind of kind of deal with this and try to figure out what good is this ring actually to his life. Well, okay. Yeah, but the problem with that <clears throat> is that he had, like like you said, like the, the key point of this is showing that he can do it. Like, the, the in, like, in fact, putting the guy in the coma in the first place was probably just setting it up so that when he got the ring, he could pull him out of the coma. Like, that's basically what, what was it, Nadir? Nazir? N- Nadir, whatever. That's the only Nadir, reason. Yeah. yeah, that's the only reason this character exists. So that Baz could pull him out of a coma. Like, they've been building this up just so that he could pull him out of a coma and do this impossible feat so that when they go on to do other stuff, it'll be like, well, he actually, you know, like, this is him supposedly earning the ring and proving why he should be a Green Lantern because he did this impossible thing with the ring. Yeah, although I, I gotta... I gotta say, like, the fact that... I mean, it, in my opinion, the best part about Nazir being in a coma was the fact that Simon put him in the coma to begin with. Like, that... It, like, as far as I'm concerned, that is the most important thing to Simon's character as per, when it comes to this guy being in the coma. Not him pulling it out, but pulling well, it out of it. I mean, like, that that was, but him pulling him out of the coma <laughs> is the the driving force behind him now, after that. Yeah. Like, you just, what you I were think, saying... I think you're just sick of throwaway characters. Because, think about Cowgirl. Like, we never really had any plot development with Cowgirl. She was just there to let us know, oh, yeah, Hal Jordan's in a relationship on Earth. Don't forget. I mean, there's going to be moments and people in every comic book going forward from now to the beginning of comic books and from now going forward where they're going to use a character or something to make a point. Of well, I don't. Nadir to make a point. Oh, I, I actually, I don't disagree with using Nadir. Like, I'm not. I have nothing against the character of Nadir, and the fact that I point out that you know his entire existence is based on, you know, basically a story point to drive home the strength of Baz. Like, I understand that, and like, like you said, that is going to always happen. I, I just completely accept that. I, in fact. The fact that he did pull him out of the coma, I think, is cool. And it does show how powerful he is. It's just that 
you know, like seeing how the Green Lantern, well, how it's always worked and how they've even like emphasized it more since the new 52 that, you know, you're, you're showing these Green Lanterns building shit like, you know, before their eyes, you know, like that's how you build something like you started from the bottom up and that's how you have a construct and that's how you do things, you know, like to all of a sudden just like basically shoot the guy with green energy and wish for it to happen. It's just like, I don't know, like that, that kind of, it, it takes something away from it for me. Yeah. I mean, so what I really hope we get to see going forward in whatever book is like the continued relationship with Simon and his family. Because like, in my mind, like, in my, like, if I was writing this, the one, like, the top of the list of the places I would go with this now is show the continued relationship between Simon and Nazir and like explore that because like, look, you've, you've literally got, you've got, I imagine that. Imagine if you were in a coma and the guy who brought you out of it was also the guy responsible for you falling into it in the first place. Would you love that person for get for giving you your life back, or would you hate them for taking it away from you for all those months? Well, you know that like that's interesting to me. That's like character shit. Like, well, do okay, that. T- two things. Two things. First off, I'm pretty sure that they have addressed the whole fact that Baz blames himself for putting <laughs> Nazir in the coma, but yeah. Nazir is equally responsible for it. Oh yeah, but that doesn't mean Nazir is gonna approach it totally rationally right i mean it's even though it's not the rational thing to do for baz to blame himself it he still does it well i mean the fact that he got him out of the coma now i think he's going to feel a lot less guilt about it but then on top of that you know with him joining the was it the justice league america Hmm. um I have a feeling that you're probably not going to see his family for a while. Like, maybe he's like, hey, guys, you know, um, I got to lie low now, so I'm not going to see you for, you know, 17 years. And then when everybody's completely forgotten about you, a new writer's going to come in (laughs) and say, oh, look, he has family. Sucks. Although, if he doesn't feel guilty anymore, that could could fan the flames even more. Like, Like, imagine that. Imagine if the guy who put you in the coma doesn't care anymore that he put you in the coma. That would piss you the fuck off. It's like, well, I am out of the coma, and it is because of him doing the impossible. See so. how much we're getting out of this idea? They need to write this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Make sure you write into uh, John's. I uh, will. Tell him to, to work on that in the listen, future Green Lantern issues. Listen, he's writing Justice League of America, so he's still going to be writing Simon. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Um, speaking of Simon, I like I like the fact they finally addressed his gun in this issue mm-hmm. and you know i think it may like, we we debated this before when we saw the issue zero cover like why would you need a gun what does that mean for your willpower blah de blah de blah i think the explanation they give makes perfect sense because his <clears throat> his very first outing as a green lantern involved his ring failing and him only almost getting gunned down by somebody and then, and then the third army shows up. The only thing he has to defend himself with is a gun. So he's gonna keep a gun with him, just in he's case. Gonna keep a gun. He's gonna. Yeah, Simon's got a gun. Drum, 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 drum. 
But you know, I th- I think they have completely justified him carrying a carrying a uh, firearm with him. I guess. So my favorite part of my my favorite part of this whole entire book was the last page. Because it was over. <laughs> no, because we all know how much I do not like uh, Monkey Monkey's uh, drawing when he's on Earth. And I'm not saying that like I. I'm not saying that I hate it. It just I'm I'm aware of the art and I'm looking at faces when they're on Earth. But then you get a zombie Tomal right. I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is Monkey's wheelhouse. Yeah, a, yes. a dead alien. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he's dead. <laughs> this is what Monkey specializes in drawing: yeah. dead aliens. <laughs> yeah. Well, aliens in general, but dead aliens even more so. Because remember, uh, Black as Night, man, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so definite by. Well, let, let me ask you this first. Uh oh. Because um, <laughs> did you care that it was Tomar? Because like I turned the page, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, and then immediately didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I wished it was, you know. Like, I, yeah, it made sense, but I wished it, it had been, you know, somebody else. Which, I mean, obviously really couldn't have been too many other people because of, you know, the clues that they gave last issue. Yeah. But, I mean, I still wish that Abinzer, you know, it, it had been him. I think it was an awkward page still, because, like, they, they played it like a reveal, only it's the first thing you see in the middle of the page before you read the two panels leading up to it. So it was, yeah. it was weird. Yeah, and I mean, like, the thing I I wonder is, like, <clears throat> why does Tomar Ray know about Volthum? Yes. Well, this is dead. Yeah, the dead know everything, Jim. Come on. Oh, okay. Read, read your Bible. That's in there. Maybe uh, because he wasn't on our lantern. I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. I, I kind of chuckled a little when he, uh, what was Tomar say? Uh, we must stop Volthum... We must halt the First Lantern's plans before he unravels reality and changes Lantern history as we know it. And I immediately thought, huh, maybe he did the Kyle thing. <laughs> well, I have the first three issues of this, uh, uh, of the Wrath of the First Lantern storyline. So that what Tom Ray is saying makes sense. Oh, okay. Uh, one, let Let's touch on the coloring really quickly, because it changes immediately and abruptly after the title page. <clears throat> the colorist, the colorists are uh, Tony. I don't know how to say this. A U I N A. And then Alex Sinclair. So you have like one of them doing the first four pages of the book and the other doing the rest. And I kind of like... I mean, the the first four is kind of what we usually get, but the rest of the book, like, like especially those pages where he, him and Chip are there, like, I love how the lighting is treated differently and, like, the, the tint on the green is more effective, I think. Um, I mean, to me, the coloring is really only... The, the difference is only really noticeable on the part where he's pulling uh, pulling him out of the, the coma and that page where he's just like, ah! 
and like the green is just kind of like <laughs> kind of muted as opposed to like really electric. We that's the only time you noticed, really. Well, that well that and um, I guess when him and Bidge are flying away from the hospital. Like look at the look at the title page where he fin- where he charged the battery. And it's like trial by fire and all the credits and stuff. Yeah. Look at that. Now go to the very next page. That doesn't look completely different. Well, the top of the page looks different, but the bottom of the page, I think, is similar enough. It's like it's not even the same shade of green. <clears throat> yeah, but... You know, lighting and shadows and stuff. Yeah. Oh. I also think it would have been hilarious if Simon accidentally incinerated the body. But that's it. <laughs> bye. Yeah, bye. Yeah. Talking about it, I think, elevates it to a bye. Because I was kind of like... I was kind of disappointed in this after the last three Green Lantern issues. Because it's definitely not up to those, but not a lot happens. Yeah, and I and I and I hate the fact that his brother and family have happiness now. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> happiness. <sighs> All right, Green Lantern Corps. All right, so as you'll remember, Green Lantern just ended with Chip watching TV and seeing Guy Gardner get arrested for some reason, and. And he's like, oh, forget Hal Jordan. We gotta get that guy. We gotta save Guy Gardner. He can help us. He's on Earth already. So they fly off into the night to find Guy Gardner. Um, who is, as of this issue, he is in prison. Because he, you know, all of his wheelings and dealings last issue. <laughs> um, his brother and sister, both cops, come to meet with him at like a, like a, this like, <laughs> against the rules after dark visitation period and they're just trying to get him to open up and just explain what's going on what happened to you where'd your ring go why are you in jail what what are you what were you trying to pull with that whole that whole weapons bust and he's just shutting them out he won't answer which is great because we get to see his, his sister slap the shit out of him <laughs> um then the third army attacks the prison because the guardians decide, you know what? Let's look. Let's tie up loose ends. Third army, go get Guy Gardner. That's exactly what they say. So the third army is attacking the prison. We'll get to John Stewart in a minute. Third army is attacking the prison, and Guy and his his siblings and a bunch of other random cannon fodder cops all grab as many guns as possible. And just unload into these these creatures. And it goes about as well as you would think. Until Simon and Bidge show up. And, you know, the Bidge evacuates the prison of all the guards and, and uh, inmates. Uh, and sends Guy's family back to their, their jerk dad's house. Uh, so everybody's safe. <laughs> So in in the the most logical move ever, <laughs> Guy sends Simon out to steal a bunch of missiles and drop them on the prison, which 
you know, it, I guess not the prison per se, but like like into the the bubble that Bidge sealed the third army into. Um, then they fly to the moon because you know they're on their way. They need to get out of there and they need to find Hal Jordan. And they stop on the moon just to kind of kind of catch up, compare notes, figure out what the hell's going on. And that's when Bidge shows, or Bidge tells Simon to show Guy the message, that jumbled face message from Hal and Sinestro that's in this ring. And now Guy knows what what's up. Uh, while this is going on, <coughs> John and Fatality are tracking the Mogo bits, which apparently somebody, some weird space terrorists gathered them up and is using the residual green energy to, pi- to fire, a, to power a giant space gun, and is shooting, basically using it to extort a planet, saying, yeah, we're going to destroy your countries if you don't pay up. And, you know, John and Fatality make quick work of them. They free the Mogo bits. And is this the issue where they come back together? I think. No. No, it's not. That's weird. I thought it was. Oh well. Yeah, no. They free the mogo bit, mogo bits, and they feel great about themselves. <laughs> All right. So that's the issue. <laughs> you know what? I'll and I'll I'll say it just because of what we'll be talking about later. The thing I like about Green Lantern Corps is how consistent it's been since the beginning. <laughs> consistent, good, consistent storytelling, consistent art, consistent everything. Hmm. So, I, I like that. I think I think I think Green Lantern Corps is the best of the four going, just for that reason alone. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Red Lanterns may take that spot for me. Oh, yeah, no. oh. <laughs> Punch him through the phone. Do it. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's always, it's definitely been consistent in art and definitely been consistent in story, you know, concept and writing. I haven't always, you know, loved each issue, but I do agree that it's been consistent. Now, Chad, I remember back a few months ago, you were talking about Green Lantern and how it made how the Third Army reminded you of The Walking Dead, kind of. Yeah, I got that a lot in this issue because you've got these zombie things storming this small group of survivors in a prison. So I'm like, hey, there's Walking Dead. <gasps> yep. You know what's weird though, and I noticed this uh, in the Green Lantern Corps annual, but it's also here in the. Uh, the title page for uh, this issue. Peter J. Tomasi is not credited as the writer. He's credited for story and words. Hmm. That's weird. Isn't that the same thing, though? <laughs> uh, it is. I, I just thought it was odd. Story and words. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> weird. Maybe somebody else wrote them? Like he dictated and somebody else wrote them down? He's, he spoke the issue into a recorder. Yeah. Uh, eh, who knows. Um, I, like how they're, I like how they're giving us a balance. 
because like they're they're giving us like a chunk of like outer space cosmic lantern stuff with John and Fatality and giving us like the the grounded powerless guy gardener stuff. I just wish there was more Mogo stuff. Well, there's bits of them. <laughs> I want more than just bits of Mogo. Well, you'll have to wait at least several minutes for that. <laughs> Wasn't Guy being, like, a fucking baby at the beginning of this thing? Like, yeah, that that was fairly uncharacteristic of Guy. Like, if they want to portray him as, as like, kind of, like, really down and giving up or whatever, like, alright, fine. But you can do it better than that. It's like, it's like... Like why why did you do that? I don't know. Why why did you do <laughs> why did you do it? Just tell us why you did it. I forget. Because I'm, I'm stupid. I forget. Why tell us why you did? Like I am so glad she smacked him twice. Also, his sister's awesome. <laughs> For now. For now. He never had a sister before, right? Um. Pretty sure it was just the older brother. Yeah, I think. Yeah. The older brother that turned into a supervillain. <laughs> yep. God, I hope that doesn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> now I hope it does. Yeah. Just to spite you. You're a terrible person. Hey, so... Uh-oh. Guns versus these things? Oh, yeah. Sure. Like, I mean, okay, if you get a headshot, that ma- that's consistent, right? But, like, it shouldn't really... Like, I, th- this is the thing that bothered me the most. And it was only really two pages. Cause... But, like, Guy Gardner with a ring at the top of his game, backed up by, like, ten veteran L- Green Lanterns all working together couldn't hold could barely hold these things back so like a group of regular guys with some machine guns should do significantly worse than that well there's one there's there is one aspect that they could be considering where these things were created by the guardians they're created of the guardian skin you know they have the guardians mindset and everything like that and they're powered by willpower uh-huh. So, you know, like, maybe by using a Green Lantern ring on them, like, it's basically like hitting them with a bat. Like, it'll slow them down, but it's not going to penetrate, you know, as easily as something non-green would. You know, like, if you were shooting them with red energy, which we it's, saw with the Red Lantern... It like, still it's, wouldn't work. It's still, well... It, they have like a defense, but you know, if you basically you know uh, gouge out their eyes and vomit into their you know eye sockets, it burns them from the inside out. The worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of smiled when I said it too. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, like, yeah, the, the power <laughs> level of these the, the third army has really kind of, like, shifted around depending, you know, just to fit the story. <laughs> yeah, like, like other places, one of them can take out everybody. Here, a group of them is being held at bay by a machine gun. It's... Yeah, well, I mean, 
<laughs> but to be fair, they're not really being held at bay because it's just it's kind of slowing them down a tiny bit, but they're reforming like immediately afterwards. You know, yeah. like you know, there's there's a group do is slow them down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like unless like <laughs> they're taking out the eyes which I you know, I would imagine would be very difficult. Yeah, and like I like I could buy like if they're just firing wildly at this group, I could buy that one or two of them drop because like there's like a random headshot here or there. Yeah, but, but even like, the even the headshots aren't taking them at them out. It's you have to go for the eyes and that's the only thing that's gonna stop them. <laughs> yeah. The thing, like, the one thing that I thought was odd, though, is that, like, they drop the missiles on them, <laughs> and that wipes them all out. You know? Well, it incinerated them, you know. I mean, I guess, but, and I guess it's the same thing where, like, the, the house blew up the last one and, and killed a bunch of them. Well, come on, a house, ex- that, that's not the same thing as, like, a, like a truckload of missiles. Yeah, well, the house exploding killed, I think, all of them. Did it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess that, you know, burned them from the eyes in or something? Sure. sure. And, the, and, uh, and like, they they didn't get out of Bidge's field, even though they got out of Guy Gardner's field the last time. Oh, I don't, whatever. Yeah, I, it, it's not... That that part isn't consistent <laughs> among all the books. Yeah. I mean, I could... I, actually, when you started talking, I thought you were going to go the route of, like, well, the, the Third Army is so advanced that the Guardians just didn't account for something as basic as guns. <laughs> Basically, I expected you to pull a Stargate <laughs> and, and throw in that explanation for why, like, stupid weapons, like bullets, are effective against, like, like replicators. All right, and, 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 never mind. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was hilarious, and I hope to God this comes up again. That Simon Baz, suspected terrorist, on the run from the government, steals, like, 50 missiles from some base and just flies <laughs> off in the night with them. <laughs> when they told him to do that, he's probably like, um, couldn't, couldn't somebody else get these? <laughs> can, can we send the squirrel? Come on. <laughs> uh, that was funny. Um... What do you guys think of, well, two things. First of all, I thought it was awesome that uh, the issue pretty much opens with uh, with a uh, guy taking out someone in the prison just with one punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, really, this guy goes up against aliens. You know. Yeah, yeah, well, he, he should. He should be able to hold his own in prison. Yeah, no, that was funny. I like... I love the fact that he, like, knocks him into the toilet. He's like, hey, he's just thirsty. He's thirsty. Man. Oh. <laughs> you know, I read this. <clears throat> so, so, I booked my travel to uh, visit John and Rachel and also go to Dragon Con. And that's all in Atlanta, Georgia. And then the very next day, I opened this issue for the first time. <laughs> To a scene of Atlanta, Georgia, where everyone's being massacred in the streets by aliens. I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <sighs> okay. I think if there was anything 
else. The prison, the prison scene made flash me back to playing Left 4 Dead with some friends. That was nice. Um, yeah. I like I like the uh, <clears throat> the irony of uh, what do you call it? You have this terrorist alien ship above you know this planet, and they basically disable the ship. So now they're gonna have to uh, you know see how <laughs> the planet that they were terrorizing deals with them. Nice irony. Yeah, so guy really should be able to hold his own in prison and follow up. But the other thing I was thinking about, uh, we've probably hated this idea for a thousand different reasons and a thousand different times. But um, I'm kind of hoping that John and Fatality get something going now. Yeah, I haven't really hated that idea. I think it seemed forced before, like, but not forced on how they did it because, like, they haven't put them together like that. But like, the concept seemed forced. But I don't know. I like how they're kind of slowly, like, getting each other's good graces. You know, like, I I, I appreciate how he continues to call her Yura instead of Fatality. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, like, regardless, I definitely like seeing these two interact more. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this even better with the uh, Duna and Cora annual. Hmm. Uh, speaking of the annual, oh, well, uh, is this, what is this, is this a buy for everybody? Uh, yeah, buy, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a buy. Hooray! All right. Now, the epic conclusion to the Rise of the Third Army, which is totally a conclusion, you guys. It concludes yeah. everything. It, was, it says it right here. Look, the Rise of the Third Army conclusion, right? right. Uh, right. The epic conclusion to the epic storyline that everyone has been paying so so much attention to. All right. You ready? You ready for me to lay some conclusion on you? Ready? <laughs> All right. So this... And let's get the creative team out of the way here because it's different this time. It's still written by Tatmasi. The art is by Criss Cross, who is a name I haven't seen for a very long time. He he drew um, uh, Peter David's Captain Marvel book about a uh, you know Genus Vell and like all that. It was really good, really 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 good. Uh, but I haven't seen him his work in a very long time. His work will make you jump, jump. Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> we're on the moon, and really? si- we are. I, I didn't realize I was skyping to you from the moon. Yeah, you should try. You should try and jump, jump. Um, <laughs> that's why Chad sounds so far away. Um, so we're on the moon. Uh, Guy Gardner sees the message, and he kind of pieces everything together that's been happening <clears throat> over the last year or so in the Lantern books. You know. You know, the the Guardians taking out all the human lanterns or taking them off the field. Uh, you know, the the rings that haven't been going out to everybody. All, all of it. He kind of starts to realize, like, shit, the Guardians are out to get us. Um, so the three of them kind of start to try and, like, figure out what to do. You know, the... And they send, like, Chip... Chip... God, Bidge <clears throat> seals up Guy Gardner in like this mech suit and shoots him to Oa, so he can, you know, he can get a, a ring from the Foundry, 
and start to rally the troops. Um, meanwhile, Bidge and Simon, they decide they're going to use the Book of the Black to try and... Were they trying? Were they trying? To, are they still trying to find Hal? I don't even remember. <clears throat> so, so Bidge is like, "All right, listen. Whatever you do, don't open it to a blank page. Blank pages could get us trapped forever. Don't open it to a blank page." Okay, he opens it to a blank page, and <clears throat> they get sucked into the book by, I guess, the first lantern. I'm not sure how that works, but <clears throat> they end up in. In the Chamber of Secrets with Black with Black Hand, and then promptly disappear from the issue. <coughs> um, uh, cut to Fatality and John. They're still following the Mogo bits. They found you know Mogo's super duper light core that's like dry, uh, drawing all the pieces in to reform. Uh, but they start to get sucked in. You know, Mogo's gravitational pull just grabs onto them and pulls them into, and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, you know, meanwhile, like, Guy Gardner makes it to Oa just in time for the construct to run out. Um, he can't get his ring out because there's, like, this, the, there's, like, like the, the fence field around it, keeping anybody from getting more rings. Um, he meets up with Kilowog, and we find out the Guardian's plan is to contact well they already have they've contacted the entire core and they've said to look there's this third army ish looking thing out there that's infecting everybody and killing lanterns all of you report to oa for an inoculation that will make you immune to their infection so that we can take the fight to them and win you know and and oh uh, you know by the way just in case we're going to shut down ring communication. Because, you know, maybe maybe the infection spreads over walkie-talkies. We don't know. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, do that. And, you know, every when the lanterns land, they pass through this grid that, like, basically paralyzes them. Like, they're still conscious and can see and hear everything, but they can't move or use their rings. So the Guardians are trapping the core one by one so that they can just give them over to the third army with no resistance uh but good thing <laughs> but fortunately there is resistance because kilowog has been you know ever since salak told him what's up kilowog has been going around and he's been uh, grabbing up whoever he can which amounts to you know ceranic natu princess Ilande, hanu ismat and vath and now guy gardner who is going to use that awesome Krona gauntlet that we've missed so much. And so now it's just this ragtag team that has to save the entire core. Uh, back out in space, the, the Guardians sent the Third Army after Mogo, who's like in the middle of reforming, because I guess they want a giant Third Army planet for something? I don't know. Um... Uh, but Mogo actually shoots Mogo bits at the third army at the speed of light and it eviscerates them and it's amazing. Mogo is badass. Uh, he then vomits out Fatal Fatality and John and they're like, What 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 the hell just happened? And like Mogo saved us. 
and you saved Mogo, John. And then they they do that thing where like I saved him, you saved her. Because remember, Mogo is a a, a hermaphrodite. <laughs> it's a dual being. Yeah, I still mo, mo and go. Yeah, I still wish they gave us two Mogos, like Mogo and Mogal or something like that. That would be great. Um, you know, cut back to Oa, and the Guardians are like they're they're doing their like villain speech about like like you know. It's really not that bad, you know. It's it's none of the things that happened are really your fault. It was our fault, really. We should have known better. But don't worry, you'll be better now, better, better. And then guy shows up and starts shooting them in the face, which goes about as well as you would expect. But that's all right because he was just a distraction. Because Kilowog, I guess his plan was to to nudge the bat the central battery so that it would break the communications block which was represented by like a big swirly energy spiral around the battery and also free the rings so that works and kilowog sends out a general alert telling every green lantern in the universe what's up and tell them to report to oa to fight the guardians and just as the third army is about to start assimilating people, Kyle and uh, who all? Kyle Saint Walker, Indigo One for some reason, Carol Ferris, Arkillo, and Larflees all show up, and they just start blowing away third army members. Um, guy gets his ring back. They're all fighting. There's Manhunters just sort of flying around. Because, hey, Red Lanterns exist, everybody. And, you know, the Guardians are on the ropes. You know, Kyle is, like, Kyle and everybody are funneling their energy all at the Guardians all at once. It looks like they might win. So the Guardians, in a last-ditch effort, they funnel more energy from the First Lantern. Which, I guess, weakens his cell just enough for him to explode outward. And in the middle of the fight, the whole universe starts to fade to white, kind of like Zero Hour. And the First Lantern says, your core, your hunters, your army, everything you've ever created, Guardians, will be no more, and the universe will once again be mine. This conclusion is continued in Green Lantern number 17, Wrath of the First Lanterns Part 1. <laughs> Conclusion! <laughs> the conclusion concludes. Oh no, it doesn't even conclude in the next issue, it just continues. Yeah, the conclusion continues in the beginning of another story. <laughs> uh, call it, uh, Indigo 1 has some really long hair. Yeah. And, uh, Larfleas looks like Cloverfield monster? Does he? Let me look at this again. Yeah, it kind of does. In the close-up of uh, Kyle's ring, um, just uh, the page where uh, Volthoom breaks free, mm-hmm. you can see a close-up of the ring. <clears throat> Kyle's wearing a Black Lantern ring. Oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah. I didn't catch that either. I'll forgive them. <laughs> Maybe it's foreshadowing. 
Isn't the Black Lantern about the first lantern when they're getting sucked into the uh, book when Baz and ba- ba- Baz and Badge <laughs> are getting sucked into the book? Yeah, um, was that supposed to be Necron? Because I don't. No, because he has hair. I think it's. He has hair. Oh yeah. <clears throat> oh, you know what? It's probably Hal. Because didn't remember back when the the book of the Black said Hal Jordan is destined to become the greatest Black Lantern of them all. Yeah. That still didn't happen. And this right. thing has blo- uh, has brown, flowy hair. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and its eyes are glowing green. Uh, this is Hal. Turns into some weird anime monster. <laughs> well, I mean, showing a Black Lantern Hal makes about as much sense as the first Lantern swallowing them up with black goo shooting out of his mouth. Yeah, I was gonna ask, why? Did, how did the first Lantern grab them through the Book of the Black? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, unless he's a prophecy in there, or maybe he wrote the books. Ooh, that would be interesting. So, what do you think of the now? It's probably the last example, which most of you figure is issue 17, because at least uh, Green Lantern number 17 was awesome. Um, <clears throat> how do we think now that Volthoom ties into his past incarnation as, you know, the wizard from uh, Earth uh, 3? I don't know. I don't I mean, feel. How, how do we think he ties into the Earth Three Wizard? Yeah, like, like, do you, do we think like, it's it's basically like how last time we were trying to to theorize how they're gonna, what they were gonna take of the old version of Volthoom and use now, like. Um, I mean, I, I can't imagine how you would be able to guess from this issue. Yeah. I mean, I really like the idea, like, I think they made Volthoom bigger in this issue, just from that last page, like, where they said, uh, you'll be no more, and the universe will once again be mine, like, once again be mine, like, like, what if they pull something, like, huge, like, like, maybe he was the, was the threat that made the Guardian, the Maltusians rise up as the Guardians in the first place. You know, they did it to battle chaos. Oh, okay, hang on. They, the old story was the Guardians saw the universe being super chaotic, right? And they wanted to make it less chaotic by taking the random magic out of the universe and sealing it up in the Starheart. Well, we're not going to have the Starheart and Alice God anymore. What if Volthoom was the source... What, like, like, what if he ruled the universe, like, back before the Guardians were the Guardians? And he's, like, the, he is, like, this, like, mega-powerful, like, magical force or whatever. So they, like, they take him out, they seal him up. And, like, that's, like, the New 52 kind of equivalent of them, like, trying to rid random magic. No. No, I'm, I'm almost positive <laughs> that they did still make the Starheart. Um, but that's just, you know, that's something else that we're probably not going to see, if ever. Um, because, like, I, I'm pr- almost positive that the Guardians battle 
yeah, they battled the Empire of Tears, and they did that in the uh, Red Lantern uh, Zero, was it? Yeah. Um, so that that all <laughs> happened. Like they yeah. they still did that thing where they rid the universe of magic. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm like this would be first though. Well, I will say this. They play with continuity a little bit in issue 17 when they give you some semblance of who Voltaine is and where he comes from. Okay, I'm not I'm not really getting what Chad's saying, but the <laughs> other thing is that, that you're you know, saying as far as you know, the old story, the old story was Corona created a machine to look at the beginning of time. And when he did that, he linked the beginning of time with the end of time, which took a bunch of, um, like, uh, I guess, millennia off of each end of the universe and killed countless people, you know, that existed in those times. And he linked the beginning and the end. And, uh, this also ended up creating the multiverse, which thereby created the anti-monitor and the antimatter universe. Like it all sprung from that. Um, so I mean, like I guess if you look at it from the point of view that Volthoom is on a multiple Earth, which is a direct result of Krona creating the multiverse, if they're going with that now at all. Yeah, yeah or it's the new 52 and Genthet's tell might not have happened. So, <laughs> All I will say is just play with continuity. Okay. Because I know Dan will freak if I even reveal anything. So, <laughs> I have the uh, I have all the issue 17s all except for Red Lanterns sitting right next to me that we'll get to read hopefully later on. Just you know, just just flip through like the first four or five pages of Green Lantern Seventeen. Well, I, I you don't even have to read it. Just I did see, it. I did see the first couple of pages because of the preview that they put online. So I I, I okay. do know part of you know what what Dan is saying is completely not true. Yeah. Uh, but were you yeah. were you happy to see? Speaking of Corona, were you happy to see Guy use the glove? Yeah, I figured he would he would do that. I was disappointed. They completely forgot about Vandor's ring that guy clearly brought with him to that garage. Yeah. I forgot about it too, actually. Yeah. By the way, this is my favorite art from all these books. Really? Really? Nice. Yeah. Especially when, uh... When, uh... Guy reaches for his ring in the stasis field, and Kilowog grabs him back, and he's just standing there looking over uh, Guy crumpled on the ground. Yeah. That, that Kilowog looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a very classic-looking Kilowog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Chris, when I saw Chris Cross's name on this thing, I immediately, like, it was like an eyebrow-raising moment, because his work is usually so much more cartoony and expressionistic than this. And, like, I think you get a little bit of that in, like, the Guy Gardner splash page where he first gets his ring back. But, uh... 
don't know. He's he he was a lot more restrained in this one, I think, and it, like it fit better because like if if this was the crisscross art that I'm used to seeing from him, I think it would it wouldn't have really fit this book at all. But like I I kind of liked it. I thought it was a really random choice, especially considering we're not going to see him again in the, anytime soon on these books. But <laughs> yeah. I guess he, he wasn't busy and they needed somebody. Yeah, I think he works pretty fast too. Yeah. This leads me to a point I wanted to make when we finally got to this issue. What do you guys think of the fact that now we finally have annuals back? And they're not used for one-off stories. They're just used as an extra book to continue whatever storyline's happening now. Well, they, they made the announcement that the annuals were going to be things where big big events, you know, big, uh, big moments for the characters happen. Um, and I mean, like, on the one hand, I think that's cool. Um, and I, like, that's how you sell an annual. Like, that's absolutely how you sell an annual. Like, if you have just a one-off story, you know, you can you can pass by the, well, this was $5. You can pass yeah. by the $5 price tag really easy. But if you have the conclusion to the third army, well, people have to buy it, basically. Yeah, um, the, the conclusion, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> you know, the next part, you know, in, well, I mean, this is clearly the continuation of Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. To some extent the uh, New Guardians issue, yeah. uh, and to a very, very minor extent, the Red Lanterns. Hey, hey, Red Lanterns had two panels in here. Yeah. Don't... <laughs> you don't... You don't need... You know, like, if you were reading Red Lanterns, like, you really don't need to know, you know, read, read this issue. Mm. But, I mean, honestly, who's reading Red Lanterns that <laughs> isn't interested in anything else Green Lantern? God. No, 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 no. You could have ended the sentence that who's reading Red Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. The reason the reason I ask is because, well, first of all, you said they're supposed the annuals are supposed to have huge impacting story uh, beats for characters. I thought that's what DC WTF was for. Yeah. First of all, well, and, I mean that's second, that's, a, that's a monthly thing. That like that's just a regular issue. I know, but anyways. I was just making a joke, but anyways, uh, seriously, I mean, like, I, I, I kind of get it, you know, if, if they're, you know, how many pages was this? Was this double sized or? Yeah. It was like okay. sixty pages. I kind of, <laughs> and I did, I get the reasoning sales wise, but it's just annuals have traditionally for, a, for, for pretty much forever been one off storylines. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of feel like we're, I kind of feel like we're missing something by, I mean, and not missing like out on story, but I think, I think, I think we lose something by not having, you know, a one-off, one-shot storyline every now and then. Yeah, but what you call it? The the annuals. First off, they haven't always been like that. Um, for there was a while where the annuals were like, uh. They had like multiple summer crossovers, and they'd have them going through the annuals. Yeah, like you know, the, like the other books wouldn't really talk about them, but it's like the annuals would be like the crossover event. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah like uh, like um, like Blood Bloodlines, Jail Eight. 
Yeah, well, I mean, Bloodlines is is a good example of it. Uh, Ghosts, not so much because you didn't really need to read yeah. the other so ones. The, but like, you well, know, for, if, there were some. There if, were. If you read JLA Ghosts, uh, it it mentions everything else in uh, in all the angels. I mean, if you read everything one off by itself outside of JLA, never read JLA, then yeah, it's it's its own story beat. But right. JLA reference reference everything else. You know, like the the Dead Earth and the Else Worlds were self contained, um, mm. but you know, like there are there's a number of annuals that did you know cross over. Um, but I, I think like what they're saying as far as the annuals, like it's it's kind of like it, I mean it'd be the exact same thing if they put out a special issue, like if they if this. Green Lantern Corps Annual Number One could very easily have been, you know, Rise of the Third Army Conclusion Special Number One, you know, and <laughs> people would have bought it just as much. It's just that they're naming it an annual. Now, with on the other hand, though, with say New Guardians, like that annual was, you know, purely the first issue of Threshold. I mean, like that. Like I haven't even read yeah. the whole thing, and I, I I already know like nothing about Green you know Green Lantern New Guardians happens in that. It's just you know what we're going to kick off you know Threshold, and we're going to do it in this so that when people who have been reading New Guardians, we can trick them into buying this, you know, because it's got a few of the characters, and then hopefully we'll retain some of that audience once the series starts. I mean, I agree with Jim. They they had to <clears throat> to make it. They had to link it up with everything more, just to justify the the higher price point and getting more people to buy a more expensive comic that would have otherwise passed on it. But I also i I agree with Chad in terms of like a a a thick, complete one shot issue of some story is more what I would prefer to read from an annual. You know, look at the last time we got, like, the oversized issues, and it was that uh, War of the Green Lanterns. What was it? War of the Green Lanterns 1 and 2. Um, Aftermath? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the caveat on everything is, like, you want it to be written well. So you can't even take that into account here. Yeah, because, I mean, like, that was that was awful. Yeah, that was awful because it was poorly written. You know, it's it's... Well, that's usually, like a lot of times, like that's what you get when you have an annual. You know, like when you have an annual, like where it's not connected to anything, and it's a one-shot story, then you know it, it doesn't matter to the main story. So you know, a lot of times the main writer doesn't even write it. You know, they'll just use some kind of story that they've had sitting in a file cabinet for you know God only knows how many years, and you know, that's like, like, if they wanted to, they could put the collateral damage. They could have put that in an annual. You know, like, maybe, maybe that would be two annuals or whatever. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, stories that don't mean anything happen in annuals that aren't connected to anything. Yep. So, you said its name. <clears throat> huh? What? You said its name. You're not allowed to say its name. That oh. was your rule. Yeah. You said his name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... You know, like, like yeah, if if a 
were giving us annuals with like self-contained stories that were either you know written and done by the the same creative team or written by the same guy and and drawn by somebody else like this green lantern annual was and that guy you know then the the writer says you know what i can finally cut loose and tell a, you know just a, a fun standalone story or whatever that i've been wanting to yeah that'd be great and i would pay five dollars for that without even thinking about it it's also it doesn't have to be like there doesn't have to be the stark line in the sand between standalone story and story that ties in because i mean i go back to this issue a lot but like that that uh that i think it was the old number four of uh how jordan and batman just for an issue like i consider that like yeah it, i consider that a one shot because like it's it's a one shot story it stands on its own perfectly fine it ties into to everything these two characters have been through together and sets up their relationship going forward and it was good because they wrote it good. You know, that's that like that's what I want from an annual only more pages. You know, like that like just like get a writer. I don't care if it's the regular writer or some other random writer, as long as they have like a good story to tell, say here, you have a really long issue. Go write it. Just finish it by the end, by by the end of the sixty pages. Yeah, no, I completely missed what you were saying. But. That, that's all right. All right, so we we talked a lot about what we wish this issue was. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me tell you what my favorite part of this issue was. It was turning the page and seeing Ceranic and Ayalande and Isamad and Vath and Hanu show up. It's like these, like those... Character, like, I think of those characters and Guy Gardner when I think of Green Lantern Corps. And, like, they, we just have not seen them in too long. And, like, I love... Like, they don't really do anything past this panel, but they get to talk a little bit. And, like, I just love the fact that Tomasi brought them in. Because, like, I think, that, as far as I'm concerned, they're his characters. You know... It was cool seeing them, but it was also kind of odd because we haven't seen them for so long. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm glad to see them, because we haven't seen them in so long. The focus of the book shifted, and then the New 52 happened, and this and that, so. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's like the fact that, you know, you got to see them, you were happy, and the fact that they were there just... <laughs> was like to me it was like oh that's that's odd because they've been kind of like you know yeah. not around at all lately yeah well i mean the because he ha he has those characters like the like a handful of characters that he kind of pulls along with him every time he jumps to a different lantern book yeah and like when the the tone and focus of the book changed with the relaunch to be like the more militaristic thing he ended up playing with a different set of characters and but now like this this, like, the entire Green Lantern core making an assault on Oa is the perfect opportunity to have them around again, so he pulled them back in. Is he going to use them going forward in this book? Uh, probably not, just for time constraints. But, you know, I, I, I took this as, like, this is, my this is one of my last chances to, to write them in, so I'm going to write them in. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. When they came flying in, I was like, wait, Sodom's back? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's interesting how Kyle wiped out the entire Third Army uh, on uh, the Star yeah. Sapphire planet. Zamoron. Yeah, yeah Zamoron. And <laughs> here it's like, you know, he doesn't have anywhere near as much power or is, he's much more focused on a couple at a time. Yeah. Well, you would lose out on your epic two-page spread fight scene if Kyle just showed up and obliterated everybody. <laughs> yeah, it'd still be cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rise of the Third Army as a whole... You know, yeah. I liked it. I th- I thought the end sucked because it didn't end. But yeah, fair enough. Like I and like look, this is this is kind of like what I thought was going to happen last time, where now that it tried to become the big event battle war thing, it got worse. Whereas when it was just each book kind of doing their thing, I was enjoying it. Like, would I feel differently if, like, if it actually had a conclusion <laughs> in its conclusion issue? Maybe. But, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed Rise of the Third Army in, in each of the books. You know, even before they announced Rise of the First Lantern, I felt like Rise of the Third Army was set up to something else. Like, and, and I'm not talking like, oh, this is Jeff Downs, of course he's setting up to something else. I... I was literally reading it going, this is just all prelude, like a prolonged prelude to something else. Yeah. yeah. I just, I really wish they didn't market it as an event. So I think that, I think that kept people from probably reading it. <laughs> but, I don't know. I don't know. I, feel, I can't really complain about Rides of the Third Army just because, like, I got some of the more fun and enjoyable issues out of these four series that I have in a long time just from, like, the stories they were telling with the Third Army as the backdrop. So, like, I I, I think I think at the end of the day, I like Rise of, the, Rise of the Third Army because it didn't focus very much on Rising of the Third... on the Third Army Rising... <laughs> Which is weird. Which is weird to say, but I swear to God, it's a positive. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> I enjoyed the Third Army storyline, except for all of the Third Army stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, they're not very interesting villains, you know. Like, yeah. and so they use the. I think they use them the perfect amount, you know. Like, if they had any more page time, we would have gotten bored with them. But like, they were used as. They're basically treated like sharks, you know? Like, they're circling the waters for a few issues. You see them pick off someone now and then. And then, like, then they strike. Then you have that moment from the end of Jaws, you know? And, I don't know. I thought they were used... They were used to establish mood more often than they were used to fight. And I I, I liked it. I liked how they were... How they approached it. 
mean, like, I I agree that some <laughs> of the issues were good, but I think that they were good despite the fact that they were part of the Third Army. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, I enjoyed reading, you know, the bad stuff past, you know, not not issue zero. But oh. <laughs> beyond that, you know, that, that, that series, you know, was, was doing really well. And there wasn't a lot of Third Army stuff. You know, and, like, the Third, third Army stuff that was there was kind of, like, you know, in the background, except for that one issue where they had to, like, destroy the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, it, it was kind of like a, a non-event event. Like, you know, you didn't need to read... Here's, here's the one issue I did have. You didn't need to read one book to the next. Like, you didn't have to read New Guardians to know what was going on in Green Lantern or Green Lantern Corps or Red Lanterns or anything like that. They were all very self-contained. However, from Green Lantern 16 to Green Lantern Corps 17, like, that's like a direct crossover. And it crosses, and they all cross right into Green Lantern Corps annual number one. So, like, you go through this entire event in quotes in, or in air bunnies. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And like, and nothing crosses over at all. And then like the last three parts all are directly connected. So it's almost like, you know, you, you know, you either were buying everything or you're buying just what you want and miss out on possibly, you know, having the crossover. Yeah. Although, if you're reading, let, let's say, for the sake of argument, there's someone out there who's only reading Red Lanterns. Because that, 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 no, that's probably not true. But let's say there is someone. If they were just reading Red Lanterns and they skipped everything else and skipped the annual, they would be completely fine. Like, Red Lanterns number 17, I imagine, picks up in a way that it doesn't matter if you read the annual or not. Right. Red Red, yeah, Red Lanterns, I think, is going to be the one that doesn't rely on the annual at all. <clears throat> but, and I guess possibly New Guardians, like, depending on that one, that one might pull it so that you don't necessarily need the annual. Because it's not like, you know, Kyle goes to the to Oa and he fights them, but he doesn't actually accomplish anything in that issue. So that one, you know, you <laughs> might actually be able to skip also. Yeah. But, Green Lantern Core and Green Lantern. You know. Yeah. yeah, this I mean, if I was gonna describe if I was gonna describe Rise of the Third Army to somebody, I would describe it like like oh Rise of the Third Army Green Lantern. That's that's it's just Green Lantern. It's like I would I would not tell them I would like I would do all I can to tell them that it, this is not an event, this is just this is a story arc happening in Green Lantern, and these are the bad guys that are in the background. They'll come into it at the end, but you know it's just a Green Lantern story. You know, it's not an event. It's not this. It's not that. It, I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, all Rise of the Third Army really does is get the characters on the same page as the readers, because like the 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 real function of this was to get the entire Green Lantern core to realize the truth that we have known about the Guardians for years now. Yeah. 
So I feel like, 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 yeah, this was set up, like, so it's more of, like, a springboard to, like, okay, now we're all caught up. Now what? Now, First Lantern. Yeah. I am interested to read that, but, like, I, I don't know. This... Yeah. That, that I'm, I'm definitely interested in reading the First Lantern. Like, that, that one I'm actually <laughs> psyched up for. The Third Army stuff, I could care less about. Yeah, and if they just played the, I, uh, like, if they had played the ending differently... Not even this whole conclusion crap. Like, if they had just played it up different, like, because you said, like, they, it's exactly what you said. Like, they're playing this one way, and then at the very end just decided, uh, let's go the other way real quick. Come on. And it just didn't work. And then they didn't even really stick their guns with it and, like, end it at the ending. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, like, this, like, this thing, like, I, don't think it's possible to for me to rate the Rise of the Third Army as a whole. Because, like, I loved it up until issue 16's and the annual. <laughs> and then it just sank like a stone. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading issue 19's and 20's of Wrath of the First Lantern. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to reading because, and this spoils nothing, the, the first part of Wrath of the First Lantern kind of feels like set up for the rest of the First Lantern. Yeah. It, doesn't really, it doesn't really feel like advancing a story, but whatever. Hmm. Um, what you call it? Now, if, if you were going to rec- recommend, like, you know, say all these come out in trade paperback. Ooh. Now, first off, you're going to have four different trade paperbacks. You know, one for Green Lantern, one for Green Lantern Core, New Guardians, and Red Lanterns. Now, obviously, the Green Lantern Core <clears throat> annual is going to be with Green Lantern Core, and that supposedly closes the Third Army storyline. And then the Green Lantern annual was the one that started it. Mm. So, like, basically, to get to get the actual Third Army story... You would, it, you would need to buy those two to, to actually understand, you know, what, what the hell was going on, how it started, how it ended. But then also, like, you know, with the crossover, you would need to read those two anyway. Whereas with the other ones, like, I guess they could be more self-contained. Like, would you recommend, you know, <laughs> any of these that, above, of the, above, uh, above the others? Uh, Green Lantern Corps, probably. Yeah, you know, honestly, I I wouldn't even factor that into it. Like, because as far as I'm concerned, they were there were four different books telling four different contained stories that just happened to have like a kind of crappy issue that tried and failed to tie it all together at the end. So if I was going to recommend a collection of something to somebody for this. I would, you know, I would recommend them, you know, I would say read the Green Lantern Corps trade because that's a good Guy Gardner story that uses the Third Army well and read the Green Lantern trade because issue zero aside, it's a good Simon Baz story that uses the Third Army well. And like, I feel, I feel like, I, I feel like, like where they would cut it is a good enough endpoint for a trade so that like, 
regardless of where they collect the conclusion of it, they would of the third army. Like you don't really even need to read it. Yeah, but I mean, oh, that's that's complete bullshit. Because if you read Green Lantern, if you if you're reading Green Lantern sixteen, they're flying off to go see Guy Gardner because mm-hmm. they have to get Hal Jordan. Now, in the annual, well, first in Green Lantern Corps, they they get Guy Gardner, and in the annual, they're tossing Guy Gardner off to uh, to Oa, and then they're sucked into the Book of the Black. So, in issue seventeen, like if you stop reading at issue sixteen to and then pick up again with <laughs> issue seventeen, like they've done quite a bit, quite a bunch of stuff, and, and you would have no idea what the hell happened. Yeah. I mean, like the green, the the Baz story, you know, that's that's in Green Lantern Corps and Green Lantern Corps Annual. Yeah, well, I mean, we're also assuming they're gonna they're gonna collect it series by series. Well, I mean, they could pull a Sinestro Corps and just like weave them together, because that's how they collected that. If they weave Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps together, like I think <laughs> that might be a good idea, but I don't think. That Red Lanterns and New Guardians are necessary at all. And I mean, the other thing is with with a Green Lantern core, like you would, I think you would almost definitely want to read the Green Lantern Annual to see how it all started, because the Green the, the Third Army is like heaviest in Green Lantern Corps. So why wouldn't you want to know how they got started? Yeah. No, I don't. I I I don't think I I don't think I'm capable of answering this question in any way you'll like. Because I, in my mind, it, it's not an event. These are four different books telling four different stories. I don't give a shit how it ended. <laughs> read the Green Lantern Corps trade if you want to read a Green Lantern Corps story. That's that's how I feel about it. Ah, uh, um, buy, borrow, pass. Eh, little buy. Pass. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, cause it's it it's all the things we just said. Like, it took it took the approach to the to the storyline that I was liking and completely threw it away. And it did it for the sake of giving us an ending that doesn't end. And it didn't even. Not only that, it they com- they tried to combine everything in a way that also didn't combine everything. It's. It's even the even the big sp- two-page spread of ever, of the battle on Oa, where it had all of the representatives of all the books. They were each like, "Here's the corner with the new Guardians characters, and here's the side where we see one Manhunter, and here's where the characters from this book are." Is it didn't like I think they just like what they wanted to do with this issue failed. I mean, there was definitely things I liked about it, but. I think they they took what they had that was good about the rise of the third army for all those months and squandered it. And it it feels bad saying that because I like I like the art for the most part and there's nothing particularly bad about how they wrote the characters. But it just I even liked that guardian speech where you, they were trying to like kind of come off as good guys but like still believed in what they believed in. But. Yeah, I wouldn't really recommend this issue. (laughs) 
So, hey, remember that time that we told everybody the cartoon was coming back, and then immediately after our, our episode was recorded, they announced it was canceled? <laughs> yeah, that happened. Yeah. That kind of thing keeps happening with us, because uh, right, I think right after we recorded last time, news came out that after just about a decade... Jeff Johns is leaving Green Lantern. And were were you guys surprised when you found this out? How did you feel when when the news broke? Um. Well, I mean, the fact that it was so sudden made me feel like it was clearly like an editorial type thing. Like, you know what? We need to shake things up because, like. I, I can't I can't see well first off everything happening at the same month. It's yeah. clearly you know, that's that's one one factor. I believe fact, this I believe this came out of like a big D C summit kind of thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Um the other thing is like and, and we've I, I think we, we we've discussed this on the forums and I I've, I've you know, been texting with people and whatnot. But if and you debate you you, you disagree, but I feel like if this is something that they had planned, like if this was like, you know, where was it, issue 20 is going to be their final issue, I feel like it would have been announced, like if this is something that they've really been planning, then it would have been announced a while ago, and they would have been marketing the first Lantern as, um, what do you call it, as John's is like, you know, his final good to Green Lantern, yeah, <laughs> um, which they haven't been doing, you know, and you know we know that because oh, the First Lantern thing is, you know, it's out, and we've been we've known about the First Lantern story for a while. It was solicited three months ago or so. <laughs> so if this is something that they had planned, then you know why didn't they let us know? Why didn't they say you know like? Hey, I, I just look at it like if this is something that had been clearly planned and you're going to say that Jeff Johns is leaving Green Lantern, then anybody that's been checking out Green Lantern, you know, sporadically since he started is going to say, oh, I wonder what he's got up his sleeve for his final arc. But without that, now you have to wonder, did Jeff Johns even know that this was his final arc? You know, did he put in the things that he wanted, you know, to, to put in to close out Green Lantern? I mean, clearly he could have changed some things, you know, near the end or whatever and been like, oh, well, you know what? If this is going to be my final thing, then I'll change a couple of things and throw this stuff in here to try and wrap everything up. But, you know, just ending it, ending his run this abruptly means that there's a whole bunch of stuff that never got touched by Johns. Yeah. I mean, my my opinion is basically it was time, so you know, sad to see him go, but I'm also really excited to see what someone else has to offer. Uh, Chad, what did you think when you first heard that this was happening? When I first heard it, uh, I was like, okay, cool, cool, he's leaving. Um, you know, with, uh, <laughs> I I kind of feel that. You know, he's leaving with issue 20, obviously, you know, even though I, I can't remember if the initial article said 
uh, it was going to be the wrap-up for Wrath of the First Lantern, that it was his last issue, or if he just had issue 20. Either way, I kind of assumed that that's the end of Wrath of the First Lantern. And I was like, all right, um, he's leaving, we get to see another take, but man, what about, uh, what about Evil Star? What about, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I was, I was, it was kind of a mixed bag. I wasn't as disappointed as I probably would have been a few years ago if this news had hit. Um, but I was more excited when they announced that all the creative teams were changing. Yes. the uh, I believe the very next day we found out that all four books are losing their writers. And at the time, only one artist was confirmed as leaving, Fernando Pissarin from uh, Green Lantern Corps. And that was and that was mind blowing. <laughs> as excited as I am to see the new direction on all of these books, I'm most excited for the ones that have have been the worst out of all four of them. You know, New Guardians and Red Lantern. Yeah. Uh, which isn't to say that New Guardians is on par with Red Lanterns as being a terrible book. It's just <clears throat> it's a ranking. Red Lanterns is at the very bottom. New Guardians used to be near the top, but now it's, you know, a little lower now. So, especially now that Kyle has access to all of the light, and hopefully that does not change uh, after uh, Wrath of the First Lantern, then there is a whole lot of awesome story potential, uh, storytelling potential in New Guardians, and I hope they play with it. Um, <coughs> and so I, and seeing Red where they go with Red Lanterns is going to be cool as well. Because I think, isn't the guy who's writing Red Lanterns also the guy who's going to be writing Green Lantern Corps? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, and about a week later, they announced the full creative teams. So let's let's go through this, because I have never, well, except for one guy, I've never read anything by any of these people, so I don't know what to expect. Uh, Green Lantern will be written by Robert Venditti and... Drawn by Billy Tan. Green Lantern Corps will be written by Joshua Hale Fialkov and drawn by Bernard Chang. Uh, New Guardians will be written by Justin Jordan and drawn by Brad Walker. Red Lanterns will also be written by Joshua Hale Fialkov, uh, drawn by Alessandro Vitti. And newcomer to the group, Larflees. Written by Keith Giffen and Scott Collins. That's the team from the Threshold Backup. Now, are we sure that it's Larfley? Or is it, do they mean Threshold is just going to feature more on Larfley's? Are we just are they just referring to the backup? No, they're definitely uh, like, they're talking about Larfley's as a comic, and it's probably because Threshold is well. We know Threshold had Larfley's as a backup. So they're probably going to continue Threshold for like six issues and either, you know, dump it or see how viable it is without Larflees as a backup and then dump it. When I saw that, I was immediately questioning it too because I even because it's the same creative team, so are they just counting like the continuing backup of Larflees or are they going to move Larflees into the main feature? But like when you pull back and think about like they gave Larflees a Christmas special. Like, they gave him his own one-shot, and he's been a fan favorite pretty much from the beginning. 
So it feels like, yeah, they've been kind of, with that one shot and this backup, like, they're kind of testing to see if people would take Larfley's solo stories. So I could see, I could see them trying to give him his own book. I could also see it being misreported in all of this mess, but I don't know. I want to see solicits, damn it. What you call it? Now, Green Lantern is the the writer um, Robert know, Robert Venditti. Venditti. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things he did was Exo Manowar uh, of the the new run, and was he also the one that was on Demon Knights? He, I think he was the the new writer on Demon Knights because it started out. I forget who started out, it, but it wasn't him at first. Okay. He wasn't the guy that made Demon Knights a must must read book for everybody. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, think, I mean, actually, I think that was Milligan. That was Peter Milligan, our favorite son. For real? I think so. It? it was Paul Cornell. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I knew it was some British guy. Um, yeah, but... Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I hear, like, lots of good things about XL Manowar. Yeah. So, I mean, like, <clears throat> I have I have hope for that one. The, the other one, uh, Green Lantern, Core, and Red Lanterns. Yeah. What, uh, what did that guy... Right. I don't know. I've I've never the only person on this list Joshua Hale Fialkov. I've heard the name, but the only thing I think I've read by him or well is nothing. Out of this whole list of writers, I think Keith Giffen is the only person whose work I've read before. Uh, Joshua Joshua has done a lot of horror titles, I think. So I think he's better suited for Red Lantern. Oh, I Vampire. That's what he was coming off of. Okay, um, I don't know where you go. And and that I heard also <laughs> was like critically acclaimed. Okay. Um, just right. didn't have a huge audience because of the subject material. Yeah. Uh, now, so yeah, so that one I definitely have a lot. I have a hope for both of those. The one that I'm unsure of is <laughs> New Guardians because like this was definitely one of the lower selling Green Lantern books. Um probably neck and neck with Red Lanterns. And so the the, the new writer that's going to be on this book is the writer that's coming off of Deathstroke and Team 7, both of which are cancelled. Uh. <laughs> no, I mean, Team 7. Team 7 could have been terrific. But I mean, you know, the premise nobody really cared about. Um, and Deathstroke, I don't I don't really, I don't care about the character myself. I, I don't know if that character, you know, I, I think he supported a series for a little while back in, I don't know, a few years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like he wasn't really given a great, you know, set of books to start out with, but by the same token, they did just get canceled. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to... Because, I mean, like he got put on these two books that were pretty terrible to begin with, so I don't really want to, like, knock him for that. Because, like, realistically, how much... Lo- in a in a, a publishing line where DC isn't afraid to cancel things that aren't working, how long is Deathstroke and Team 7 really going to last? Yeah. One would hope not long. Yeah. But... Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only... Because, like, I haven't read any of these guys' work, so I can't really go one way or the other on it. On it because, like, I don't know, they might be great, they might be awful. I have no point of reference whatsoever. The thing that worries me the most is that Green Lantern's going to be drawn by Billy Tan. And, like, the I don't remember the last DC thing I saw him draw, but, like, his work in Marvel just has not appealed to me. Really? Yeah. I think he was like, I think he was on Uncanny X-Men one time when I tried to jump into it a couple years ago, and I just did not like the look of it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, as of May... Wait. Sorry. Um, sorry. Billy Tan, did he do... Who who did the uh, artwork for, um, um, Agent Orange? That was Philip Tan, I think. Yeah, two okay, different sorry. guys. I always confuse them too. I was like, "Hey, this is the guy." No, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, so that means, all right. So May issue twenty will be the last volley for our uh, our current creative teams. And I know the final issue of Green Lantern is going to be like this big, like sixty-four page, eight-dollar book, like a big send-off to Jeff Johns kind of thing. <sighs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. Does does knowing that all of their runs are coming to an end change the way that you're looking at their final few months of issues? Like, are you more are you yeah. anticipating them more? Are you more excited about them? Um, more curious about what's going to happen. <laughs> yes, it makes you more curious about all of the titles, but particularly Green Lantern. Um, well, I guess, I guess, I guess my biggest thing would be like, you know, you worry any time, like you have one of these final arcs, you know, like unless the new writer has like read all the scripts and is, you know, working off notes and is, you know, clearly intent on trying to tie into the last arc. You know, most of the time they're like, okay, well, we're going to go in a brand new direction, so everything that you just read is now completely meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, like, the with the, the Wrath of the First Lantern, like, from what I have seen from the previews, it looks like... It looks like Johns might be using this to set up the next guy's run. Yeah. And, you know, so, that's a weird thing, because, like, for... I mean, I agree with you guys that, like, it sucks that now Jeff Johns won't have the opportunity to wrap up all the dangling threads he's just thrown out there over the years. At the same time, I kind of like the idea that they're out there for other writers to pick up on if they have a good story idea. So it's like his his influence on the Green Lantern mythos isn't just what he's already introduced, it's what he suggested could come down the line. And, like, it's up to other people to take the ball and run with it if they if they choose. 
Well, he'll still be writing Baz in... Uh... JLA, that's right. JLA. I'm pretty sure that um, the uh, the ending, the, the setup for the next guy that Jim, uh, that Jim was talking about is going to end up being the Guardians we have now are gone and the Guardians in that little box are coming out. So we're going to have all new non-Vendetta uh, Guardians. <laughs> and uh, it, it's basically like wiping the slate clean without really wiping the slate clean. Well, could you imagine if the Third Army stayed? Like, if the guard, if our current Guardians were unseated, but they were still, like, they, like, went off somewhere licking their wounds and they still had, like, a small number of, like, Third Army soldiers, like... So, like, like kind of like how, like, the Sinestro Corps war happened, but the Sinestro Corps didn't go away, they were still, like, a player in the universe. Yeah, as much as I want... I just want the Guardians gone altogether, but I have a feeling that uh, they're just going to replace the Guardians with the ones that are in the box, so... Yeah. I mean, like, that too, but, like, the, the bad Guardians don't get killed off. They're just, like, they leave to try and, like, regroup kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. It yeah, won't happen. We'll see. We'll see about that. Yeah. Yeah, the bad thing is, is if, the, um, if the Guardians we have now leave and are replaced by other Guardians, then it's possible... I'm not saying that it will, but it's possible that uh, the new creative teams will just abandon the whole they can power themselves with enough willpower thing. Mm. Oh. Man, four more issues, guys. Four more months until... Oh, I'm excited. That's the thing. I think, Like, Chad, I think you commented on this. Like, DC clearly listens to our show because <laughs> right after we put out that episode... Talking about, like, is it time for Jeff Johns to go? He leaves. <laughs> I, I think we made him sad. But, but, like, I don't know. I'm excited now. Like, like yeah, this could go south in so many ways. But also, like, you know, it's... I don't know what's coming. And, like, it could be anything. So I'm like, yes, I want to I dig into this. Okay. And Jim hates I'm, life. I'm just going to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, we done? I think we're done. We've been talking for a long yeah. time. Yeah, it's been three hours. i got to go to work. Let's get out of here. Okay, uh, if you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast.gmail.com or you can just go to lanterncast.com and uh, hit up the website. There's links to the forums so you can uh, discuss any of the things that we've been talking about today. Uh, there's links to our Facebook page and uh, probably our Twitter and uh, you can also find us on iTunes uh, just do a search for Lanterncast or Green Lantern find us either way in the podcast section and if you want to leave us a voicemail uh, 708-LANTERN um, couldn't be any easier than that <laughs> And uh, leave a message and uh, give us your thoughts we do play them eventually we always play our voicemails take a while but we always play them yeah we get to them like jeff johns gets his plot threads uh, actually i think we have a we have a better track record than jeff johns yeah that's true well it's until may when we bring in 
three new people to replace all of us. Uh, and we're available on Stitcher. Yes, Stitcher. Make us yep. the voice of your car. Make us and just the for voice clarification, of because and just for clarification, because I think you guys have debated this once. So what Stitcher is is just like Pandora or iHeartRadio, but for podcasts. And to listen to it in your car, it's just basically you pair your phone to the vehicle. If your vehicle has Stitcher on there, you press Stitcher on the vehicle, and it will play it through your phone through the system. So you can stream our show through your car. Nice. 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 Or you could just download Stitcher onto your phone, the same way people download Pandora and iHeartRadio onto your phone, and you can stream us on the go that way. Nice. Gotta check that out. You know what uh, podcast I've actually been listening to lately? What? Um, Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith and Kevin and uh, uh, Jeff Garman. Never heard of it. It's really freaking funny. Oh, it's really funny. And uh, uh, Jeff Garman. Um, is that his name? Jeff Garman? Uh, it's definitely Garman. Uh, he's the host of the Joe Schmo Show. He does, like, tons of impressions. So they started it up fairly recently, but now every episode, people write in requesting him to do the Green Lantern Oath in a, as a different celebrity. Huh. <laughs> um, so in, uh, if, you, if you download uh, episode 116 of Hollywood Babylon, uh, somewhere in there you can actually hear Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show doing the Green Lantern Oath. It's freaking hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So long, folks. Good night. Good I'm probably working or driving around with the windows down and the music up because that just tends to be what I do. Or maybe reading comic books, I'm not sure. But anyways, leave your name, number, and the reason you're calling, and I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can. Take care. You totally thought that was him. Hey, Chad. Uh, this is the Lantern cast, and we're calling 45 uh, our time. That'd be 9.45 your time. Uh, we were discussing the uh, end of the Rise of the Third Army. Um but I guess you won't be here for that. Oh, Jim well. totally thought Jim totally thought your recording was really you live and started talking to it. It was the best. What? Shut up! No. That happened. That just happened. No, that that did happened. Not happen. It that happened. Didn't happen. You see no. what you're missing? Uh, that's it.